every once in a while, a book for the podcast truly brings me right back. Back to childhood, back to simpler times, back to moments in the 90s that I didn't even realize I remembered and missed. On this episode, we talk about one of those books. It gave me all the warm, fuzzy feelings and inspired me to think about so many things that I haven't thought about in literally years. Episode 131 is all about the first book in the Magic Attic Club series, The Secret of the Attic. This book was published in 1995, just one year after the introduction of a line of dolls of the same name. Don't worry, we are going to take a deep dive into the dolls on this episode, too. The Secret of the Attic introduces us to the four original members of the Magic Attic Club, Heather, Allison, Megan, and Keisha. Heather is the new kid in town, trying to navigate friendships with the other girls who all live in her neighborhood. When the book begins, she's feeling a little insecure about hanging out with them, but it's a good thing she decided to put aside her fears and go to the Christmas celebrations they had planned, because that's where the Magic Attic Club really gets started. After a day of sledding, the girls meet their new neighbor, Eleanor Goodwin, who grew up in the area and has moved back into her childhood home after years of world travel. When Eleanor invites them to check out her attic, things get pretty magical. Heather, Allison, Megan, and Keisha go on a time-traveling adventure that brings them closer together and inspires Heather to reveal a big secret about herself. And then they become a club. On today's episode, we take a look at the Magic Attic Club brand as a whole. Where did all of it even go? We discuss. My guests and I swap notes on our favorite characters and discuss which ones we most identify with. We chat about their fashion and the parallels this series shares with American Girl and Babysitter's Club. We explore the lack of diversity in the Magic Attic Club franchise and the weird, unsettling efforts that were made to be more inclusive in terms of race and religion. We also talk about the evolving nature of conversations around kidnapping and how this whole idea of being invited into a strange woman's attic might read differently for kids over the years. My guest on today's episode is Mackenzie Newcomb, founder of the Bad Bitch Book Club. Follow the Bad Bitch Book Club on Instagram at badbitch.bookclub and sign up to join at www.badbitchbookclub.com. Follow Mackenzie on Instagram at mackinstyle. Mackenzie is also the co-host of Friends to Lovers, a podcast that uses books as a jumping off point to talk about sex, relationships, dating, love, romance, and more. You can find Friends to Lovers on your favorite podcast player. I seriously had so much fun recording this episode with Mackenzie, and if you can't tell from our conversation, I am working really hard at becoming best friends with her. I hope you enjoy listening to this discussion as much as we enjoyed having it. The book discussion continues on SSR's social media. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SSRPod, and find the show on Facebook by searching The SSR Podcast or The SSR Podcast Community. Social media doesn't get enough credit for being a tool for sharing the things you love. If you are a big fan of SSR, you can use your social media accounts to tell your followers all about it. For example, you can take a screenshot of this episode wherever you're listening to it and post it to your Instagram story. If you do this, please tag SSRPod so I can see. I really think you're going to love this episode, and I really think you're going to want to share it with everyone you know. If you do decide to post it to your Instagram story, please include a comment about what you're doing while you listen to the show. Take your SSR fan status to the next level by checking out SSR merch at www.ssrpodcast.com slash shop for bookmarks, stickers, tote bags, and t-shirts, or by becoming a Patreon sponsor. As a Patreon patron, you'll have access to some amazing exclusive rewards. Plus, you'll have the satisfaction of knowing that you're supporting the show in the process. Do monthly newsletters, bonus episodes, virtual Patreon parties, reading recap videos, and SSR merch sound good to you? You've got to check out Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash ssrpodcast or visit www.ssrpodcast.com and click support at the top of the page for all the details. I'd also like to take a moment to thank the patrons listening to this episode. Thank you for all that you do. 
Before we begin our adventure into the magic attic, let me remind you about what's happening at Libro FM. Libro FM has made it possible for you to support indie bookstores instead of giant corporations when you shop for audiobooks. The audiobooks you get from Libro FM are exactly the same as the ones you would buy from the big guys. And they're the same price, too. There's really no downside. In fact, there's an extra upside. SSR listeners can cash in on a discount on their first audiobook purchase from Libro FM. Go to Libro FM, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and use code SSRPOD when prompted on the site to get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. If you decide to join Mackenzie and the Bad Bitch Book Club, you might consider reading some of the book selections with Libro FM. Happy listening! Now let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Each week, we'll crack the binding on an old school read written for kids or teens and talk about it from a kind of grown-up perspective. We'll obsess over heartthrobs, relive the frustrations of middle school, and say an occasional WTF to a beloved author. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Ali Hofkosik, freelance writer, lifelong bookworm, and lover of anything covered in rainbow sprinkles. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. Hi, Mackenzie. Welcome to SSR. Hi, Allie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you back. So a little behind the scenes, listeners, this is my first recording back from my little holiday time off. So I'm back after a couple of weeks without recording. And Mackenzie, I mentioned this before we started, but I feel like we are kindred spirits. You're like the perfect person to help me get back into the groove. And I think we're just gonna have a lot of fun. I am truly honored. We do kind of have the same kind of thing going, right? Bookish babes, just left New York. So I'm can be bitches. I mean, I can be. You're bad you bitch. Bitch. You can be a bad bitch. I hope I'm you can. Bad bitch. It's all right. I, I like. I like. Bread, I'm bad bitch book love. I guess we do have a lot in common. Yeah, I think we both have brought like bad language to books, um, and are just like making it our own. Someone had to. I'm. I'm okay with it. I have no shame. I was scared about it at first. Um, but Apple rejected me the first time around, and then I just removed the word from my logo, and here we are, two and a half years later. You know, I started my book club thinking that it was just going to be for my friends, and so when I created Bad Bitch Book Club, I never saw myself like hiring a trademark lawyer down the line, <laughs> which I have, and I'm like, yeah, can you trademark Bad Bitch? You can. I just can't so far. Well, some somebody can, and someday I hope that you can. I, I hope that for you. And I'm really excited for hopefully many years of conversations about bad words and books with you. And today we are talking about the first book in the Magic Attic Club series, The Secret of the Attic. I am, I'm sort of freaking out inside. I'm so freaking excited. I'm so excited. And this brought back so many memories for me. Not only that, I used to own, there's a doll collection actually that went with this book and I had one of the dolls. So I just can't, I can't believe that I completely forgot about something that was so big in my childhood and thank you for letting me revisit it. That's what I'm here for. I, it really is. It's I live to bring these kinds of memories back for people. Do you remember which of the dolls you had? Of course, I had Heather. She wears pink and she's brunette. That's her personality. That's the whole personality. Right. That's my whole personality. <laughs> Well, they are, the dolls are us and we are the dolls. And that's why this series worked. Um, okay, so a little bit of a walk down memory lane for those who don't remember, because I did get a lot of DMs back when I posted on Instagram that I was reading this book. 
my inbox was like about as flooded as my inbox ever gets with people like screaming in their little texts to me about how they'd forgotten about this series. And they'd always like, they had this, and this is how I felt. I don't really know how to describe it, but it was like, there's like the specter of this series that's been like nagging at my brain for 20 years. And I didn't know what it was. And I I've thought about these characters and I thought about some of these stories, but I don't think I had like a name for what the series was until I was like, oh, right, the Magic Attic Club. And I think a lot of people felt that way. Like once they saw the the cover, once they maybe did their own little like Google dive, they're like, oh, right, this makes sense. Like all of these other fragments of bookish things and doll things that I remember from when I was a kid, it's all making sense now. So the whole Magic Attic Club thing started in 1994 with the doll line. And Mackenzie referenced the dolls and I had a lot of questions from people who were like, was this tied in with American Girl? Was this separate? And it was different. So they actually started as a competitor. At the time, American Girl had been out there for like seven or eight years, I think. And their whole thing was like the historical dolls. And in the early 90s, American Girl had yet to debut the like American Girl of Today line, which was Ooh, when you could like, hey. yeah, remember? So you could like design your own doll and make it like, modern and contemporary and have like chic 90s outfits but the company behind magic at a club which was this like porcelain doll like fancy company based in maine they were like oh no like american girl has found this market and we see that there's a gap which is that they're only talking to these like girls who are interested in history and we want to make this cool so isn't it interesting so they introduced three dolls to start with in 1994 they introduced Heather, Allison, and Megan. Yeah, Keisha came later. Keisha came later. Um, And so then in 1995, they decided to start introducing books. So they hired this writer, Sherry Cooper Sinyakin is how I would pronounce her name, but it's probably wrong. And she was the one who like wrote the Bible for the series so that future writers would have all the information they needed to tell other stories. And then she also helped them like flesh out who all of these different girls were. And then they also introduced Keisha into this first book, the one we're talking about, The Secret of the Attic. And that was when they also started making the Keisha doll. And then from there, it just like grew bigger and bigger, but like for a very short period of time, if we're being honest, it did not have that long of a life. I know a lot about this series now. I won't bore you with all the details unless those details come up over the course of our conversation. But suffice it to say that these books were sort of like a cheaper alternative to American Girl. They started at, I believe, $59, which was substantially cheaper than American Girl. Yeah. Okay. That was my whole spiel. I looked this up too, by the way. I saw, I was like, when did American Girl come out? 1986. Like, did my research. I was like, were they copying Magic Attic Club? But no, it seems like Magic Attic Club copied American Girl and then American Girl copied Magic Attic Club right then and after. Right. Well, and then Magic Attic Club was kind of screwed because when Mattel bought American Girl, the Magic Attic Club owned by this like small like mom and pop doll company in Maine, even though they were doing well, like you don't really stand a chance against Mattel. It doesn't work that way. So I don't I don't know that I had any of the dolls. Um, I was trying to like remember. I don't have like a clear picture in my mind of the dolls. And I was like definitely an American girl kid. But I think if I'd had a doll, it probably would have been Megan. I'm a Megan for sure. Oh, for sure. After reading it, you're it's confirmed you're a Megan. Yeah, it's like a Sex in the City thing. So you have to pick your identity. And I'm definitely Megan because Megan likes books and likes school and doesn't like sports. And that's really all that I know about her. And I I feel the most aligned with her. Do you have um, a Magic Attic Club identity? 
Well, 100% that I'm Heather. It's the pink. She's always in a different pink outfit. I'm always in a different pink outfit. She's feels like a little bit of an outsider because she's the mm. girl. I always felt like a little bit of an outsider when I was in school. And she's brunette. I just feel like looks wise, we're just, it's too obvious. The only thing that I am not is Jewish and she is Jewish. Also a major part of her identity, especially in this first book. So I, I have a lot to say about how all of that was handled and I'm yeah. sure we'll get there. So much to say. I think the fact that they each have a signature color is worth discussing further because when I was like paging through the illustrations, because as soon as this book arrived, I like freaked out. I couldn't wait to just like see, like to feel it and to look at it as just like an object like of my childhood. And the art, it brought back so many warm and fuzzy feelings. Listeners, I'll try to post them um, on the SSR Instagram this week just because I promise you it's going to make you so nostalgic and it's going to make you wish that you were seven years old again. But I thought that the fact that each girl seemed to, I mean, this all takes place over the course of a day, really. And so the fact that they each had their like, you know, color block outfit. I was like, oh, this is just what they're wearing. But no, if you do some legwork, if you do a little research on this series, each of these girls like always wears one color. That's part of the thing. I kind of love that. I mean, I'm someone who really sticks to a capsule wardrobe. So Mm. my clothes are either pink or red. My aesthetic is Valentine's Day. You're looking at me in a gray sweater right now. So you're probably like, no, you're not. But I almost- I believe you because you have a red purse behind you. I do have a red purse behind me. And my capsule wardrobe is right next to me. It's really messy. But I I love sticking to one color. I do that when I create Sims. When I play the Sims, for all their outfits, I put them in the same color and a different kind of outfit. Wow, I'm really exposing myself here as a weirdo. But it helps me remember kind of like that they did this the magic attic club yeah it also probably just made things really easy for the doll designers because they could be like okay great we need an outfit for this one it's gonna be pink because it's heather we have to make a blue one like it's just very clear who needs to wear what and i kind of like it too it's like a little signature just a little something extra okay so let's talk about this first book which was published in 1995 again it's called the secret of the attic and in it we meet heather first um as you mentioned heather's kind of like outsider she's the new girl in town and I felt for her so hard because when we meet her she's she's really trying to get out of going to a social event which is so relatable so relatable like pre-pandemic I'm like okay how is there a nice way for me to tell these people who I do want to have as friends like I want them to like me this isn't I'm not breaking up with you at all but I don't want to go to this thing that you've invited me to and I don't even know why I ever said that I would (sighs) and that's where she is emotionally and I I was like oh girl and I don't think I was like that as a kid so Heather has a long way to go like I I want her to figure out how to have better boundaries because that's something I struggle with like how do you say no politely? Luckily, she still has her mom who can help her talk through all of these things, but she does not want to go to this Christmas party. And I get that because she's a new girl. She has some things she hasn't told her friends yet. And so she's not she's not ready. But at the same time, thank God she went to this Christmas party because like imagine how much of an outcast she would have felt like if she didn't go and her friends had this amazing adventure without her. I mean, who knows if the Magic Attic Club even would have happened, right? It's all because she said yes. And that's why we're all going to say yes to plans in 2022. Right. Please say no in 2021. Let's continue to say no for a lot of reasons. Um, Unless you are getting married or doing something else super important, I hope that you get to say yes in 2021, ideally later 2021, but especially in 2022 and beyond, let's say yes. I want want that for everybody. I just, uh, we should all learn from Heather. And 
all this probably wouldn't have even happened if Heather hadn't been there because Heather is the one who finds the key on the ground. She really is the key that puts the whole thing together. She was the missing puzzle piece to the friendship all along. That's so beautiful. I love the way you put that. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you put that. Yeah, Can we start a magic attic club. She's cute, and you really feel for her right away. Although I will admit, I was a little bit confused that she was so distressed because they didn't have any ornaments, and I, I couldn't understand why this was a problem. And this is the very first page. Yeah. No, I agree. I thought that it was more of like a socioeconomic Me kind too. of. I thought she was like, poor. I thought that's what the, this is what they were getting at. Yeah, because she was really concerned. Like, it was more the sense of, like, I don't have anything to bring to the table. Like, I have nothing to offer. And so I was like, oh, like, this must be because, like, you're new in town and you don't want people to know that, like, maybe you don't have as much money as everybody else. Because they're all neighbors. They all live in this, like, same Primrose Lane as, I think, their their neighborhood. And um, I'm like, oh, she's just embarrassed because she can't like be as cool as the other girls. Like that was definitely how I was feeling, especially just because she had this like general anxiety. It seemed like there was like a lot of stuff she wasn't telling people. It turns out that we find out there's like literally a single secret, but she just, I felt like she, I don't know. She just seemed so insecure. So insecure. I felt, I really felt for her. And it's part of the reason why I related so strongly. I was a super insecure kid. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I also was the new kid a few times when I was growing up. That's hard. So I get that. And I think there are 10 in this book. And I was about, I guess I was 11 the first time I moved when I was a kid. And that's a really, it's a really shitty time to move. Um, I was in sixth grade when I moved in like the middle of the school year. And like, I hate to say like, I know the whole like middle school sucks thing is so cliche, but it really does. And then I moved again in eighth grade, which is awesome. Yeah. So I get the new girl anxieties. Although like weirdly, I don't think I ever had the presence of mind to be like, oh, not going to something that you said you're going to or that you've been invited to like is even an option. I think I was like, oh, well, you have to go. You know, you if you're invited and, and you're available, you should go, which is probably why I have no boundaries now as an adult and not something that I need to continue to work through. But I was like, oh, it's pretty cool that that Heather is like, oh, maybe I won't go or maybe I can go to this part. Like, I think she had initially said, like, I want to go to sledding, but I'll skip the party. And I feel like that's sort of her attitude when she leaves the house to go meet the other girls to just play in the snow in their monochromatic color blocked snowsuits. And they were cute snowsuits. You have to share the pictures with your with your audience. They're going to love them. They are going to love them because I love them. And it makes me want a snowsuit. My husband and I are actually talking recently about like, obviously in the pandemic winter, I'm like, maybe we need to get back into skiing because it's an activity that you can do outside. But as an adult, I don't have ski or snow like fashion really because mm-hmm. – I go outside to walk my dog, but like that, this is the thing that you have when you're a kid. Like when you're a kid, you have snow pants, you have, you know, all these specific items. So this is a conversation that my husband and I had recently. And then I was looking at all of their stylish nineties gear. I was like, oh yeah, I really need some of this. I can give you some recommendations. I actually started as a fashion blogger. I don't know how I became a book podcaster. (laughs) We all have our own journeys and I have looked at your Instagram and I think you have great fashion. So it doesn't surprise me at all. We can all have complicated and um, varied interests. So let's talk about what happens when Heather goes and gets out of her comfort zone and just gets out of her house and goes to meet the other girls. So there's three other girls. There's Keisha, there's Allison, and there's Megan. What were your first impressions of each of them? Let's talk about Megan. So Megan left kind of the 
least of an impression on me. I thought that she was just kind of one of the crowd a little bit. I hate to be that person. I felt like the other two girls had really strong, specific personalities, especially Allison. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Megan? Because you identify as a Megan. So you probably have yeah. stronger thoughts. She's the yellow. Yeah. She's, yeah. She's yellow and yellow is my favorite color. Okay. I'm going to get over the fact that she left so little of an impression on you. I'm not going to take it personally because I already feel like we're good friends and that's okay. We don't, we don't have to immediately have great first impressions of our um, magic addict club, our, like avatars. Is that what, I don't know if that's the right word. It can be. Okay, great. So it's fine. It's okay. I identify with Megan purely because of her interests, because I do feel like at this stage in the series, and this is a common theme in all of these 90s series with Babysitter's Club, Sweet Valley High, the list goes on. But like the first like one or two installments of the books in these series, I find that really like the personalities of the girl characters that we meet, it boils down to like three or four sort of vague general personality traits Mm -hmm. and then their interests and like what they're into and Megan like I said she's into books she talks about how she read Little Women she's really proud of that she's a good student she talks about her father who's a journalist and I wanted to be a journalist from the time I was in like fourth grade love Shakespeare kept talking about Shakespeare love Shakespeare and honestly like she's probably super annoying like the the other girls are probably like okay we get it you've read a lot of books but it, that's probably kind of how I was yeah, and that's still I am right as an adult maybe I'm right. as an adult right people are like cool you read a hundred books <laughs> right like nobody cares except people watch some TV cool. Megan right turn on the television go watch a movie that's people are like have you watched this movie have you watched this movie I'm like no, no. sorry I don't know anything Always about no it. No, I don't really like movies. Me neither. Uh, I don't have the patience for them. Me neither. I don't watch movies ever. I don't like them. People are going to hate us. We're, this is going to be a controversial podcast. And also, we just became best friends. So that means you're a little bit of a Megan, whether you believe it or not. I think that's it. I think I was in denial this whole time. Yeah. And Megan's parents are also divorced, which I related to and still relate to because my parents were divorced when I was a kid and are still divorced um, as most divorced people are and that was a thing like very early on in the book when they're talking about the holidays she sort of makes an offhand comment where she's like yeah and so great for the other girls that like they'll get to be with both of their parents on Christmas dot 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 like they are every other day and I would imagine that my like angsty eight or nine year old self would have connected to that fairly deeply when I read this book so yeah I relate to Megan on that level as well that got deep I know. Welcome to SSR. This is what happens. I'm so happy to be here. So I I get it. I think that I have a whole new appreciation for Megan after hearing from you. She was not the one that bugged me. Actually, it was Allison that bugged me a little bit. All she cared about was sports. Sports. (laughs) I hate sports. I, I too hate sports. Of course we do. Of course. This is why we have book podcasts and book based communities with bad words in the titles. Because we hate sports, and it was. And we're, this is how we're cool. This is how we're like, yeah, we curse and we love books. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is this is how we get cool. Out. I would say Al- Allison is the one that wears blue, right? And her personality trait is kind of like hating dresses, loving sports. I don't want to give anything away about the plot, but not that like everyone's gonna rush to read it. But when they spoilers are allowed, so it's okay, right? When they met the woman who told them about the magic attic spoiler alert there's a magic attic in the magic attic club books nobody saw that coming (laughs) right and she asked if 
if they wanted to learn a lesson. She's like, yeah, is it about sports? Why would this old woman teach you about sports? What could she possibly – what? Yeah, I didn't love that about her. I also – I remember being upset because you all know me as Allie, but my real name is Allison. Uh, surprise. And I didn't like that I – first of all, it's not spelled the same way as mine. It's one L. And I always was much more drawn naturally to Allison's that had the same spelling as I did, as one does. That's how I feel about Mackenzie's. Right. Well, because there are multiple spellings of Mackenzie's too. So yes, you want to see yourself in the spelling of another person's name. And then I also remember being annoyed because she was so different than I was as a kid. And I was like, but we have the same name. Like I, how great would it have been if the Allison was like the book girl and the and the girl with the divorced parents? Like that such a missed opportunity for me. Oh, upsetting. Yeah, I get why you're upset by that. It's really hard to deal with. But um, for listeners who maybe aren't, who don't, think about the magic at a club very often because really why would you um I would say that the best person that I can compare Allison to is Christy from Babysitter's Club she's like very Christy oh she's kind of a Christy she's also kind of in Sister of the Traveling Pants Blake Lively's character was named yes. Bridget Bridget yeah Bridget aka like she maybe would grow up to be a Bridget yeah for sure and she also has sort of the um she's like the leader of the group she is definitely used to having all the ideas, which is a very Christy quality. So Christy. So I feel like there's a lot of similarities. I'm trying to think if there, if you can draw any parallels between the other girls and Babysitter's Club, because I do feel like people still sort of have a maybe a clearer picture of who the Babysitter's Club characters were, even if they haven't read the books in a long time, just because they're more like out there in the zeitgeist. I feel like Megan is probably like a Marianne. I was thinking Marianne or Mallory. Do you remember Mallory from the the little babies, the um, officers, like, like the intern, basically for the for the yeah. babysitters club. <laughs> who would who would my girl Heather be? I would say maybe like almost like a Claudia. Yeah, like she has the fashion sense for sure. But Claudia was a little bit more artistic. I do think there. When I was doing some of my like research, there's a lot. I mean. There's not a lot out there about the Magic Attic Club. I was really excited because I was hoping I would find some cool like essays and like think pieces with like No, there's nothing. So little. I had to dig deep and it was all these like wiki pages and I really had to like look hard. But there is a Magic Attic Club wiki where I got a lot of my information. And in that sort of sub page about Heather, there's a lot about how she is into art. So I think maybe that comes later and we just don't really see it. But I do kind of remember maybe in the in this book, when they meet the new neighbor, Eleanor Goodwin, the whole thing with her is that she like teaches art classes and piano classes and music classes and dance classes. And I do think that Heather's like interested in art, like she wants to take the classes, but it's still like, it takes a backseat to other things that are going on. But I think Claudia might be the best comparison for her. I could be projecting because I identify as the Claudia and Heather. So I'm just <laughs> making us all kind of connect there. But I think there's 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 a line. There's something there. I think it works. And we have to talk about Keisha too. Although I do feel like we learn maybe the least about Keisha in this book, which now that I know that she was introduced a year later is not entirely surprising to me. And also, unfortunately, is not entirely surprising to me because she is the first and only Black member of the Magic Atta Club. And at least at this point, the only person of color that we see in the book and that is sort of her whole like identity like there's not a lot of other stuff about her in this book it is actually so I read the the, her wiki (laughs) I wanted to know more about Keisha Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> um, so one thing that she loves music, that's kind of her thing. Yeah. She's the singer in the group. She loves music. So that's kind of her shtick. She wears purple. That's another part of her shtick. She is the only black member of the Magic Attic Club. So unfortunately, she is tokenized in that regard. This is 1995 or six. Five. Five. The books came out. And I think they did an okay job. I mean, I can't, I'm a white woman. You can't tell from the podcast, but I think they did an okay job, not like relying too heavily on stereotypes for her. And more so she was just an, another part of the group. Although Keisha was always the one who was like, guys, are you sure we should go to a stranger's house? Are you sure we should go into the stranger's attic? So I think she's just another example of black women having more sense than the rest of us. I mean, it dates back really far. And I think that was kind of her role was being the sensible one. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like the only other thing that I really remember about her from this book specifically, because yeah, I, I dug into her wiki a bit, is that her parents seem like super overprotective. Like to your point where she seems like to question everything they're doing. It's always like, well, I, I was concerned because it did seem to me that these girls were like very quick to just like go to this woman's house and Keisha was the one who was like I don't think my parents would be super excited about that like they would have all these questions for me I think she has a bunch of younger siblings that she's like an example for if I'm not mistaken and I was like okay these other girls should all have stranger danger and she is the only one who does but yeah I just I I I don't remember a lot about her from other books either. I remember her being like very energetic. I think she's very bubbly and that's her thing. So maybe she's like a dawn from Babysitter's Club. Oh, I loved Dawn. I, I'm like a wannabe Dawn. I know I'm not Dawn, but I always really liked her. I think everybody is sort of a wannabe Dawn. She's like the cool California babysitter. You're so right. Which just, isn't us. We're just yeah. Northeastern bookworms. Right. You're wearing a turtleneck and I'm wearing a sports bra that's like up to my, basically up to my neck. So uh, I'm not California casual Dawn, although I would like to be. That's okay. Yeah, Keisha was probably the closest that, to that. I think I agree with that. She's a little uptight, but I forgive her because honestly, like going to a stranger's house is dangerous. So she was the only smart one in the group, and I appreciated that she actually like stopped before stopped and thought about it before she just rushed into Eleanor's house. While we're talking about these members of the Magic Attic Club, I will mention that there were two other Magic Attic Club members that were introduced later on. Oh, yeah. So there were four to start with, and in the end, there were six. One of them was Chloe, who I believe was introduced first. And the story with Chloe is kind of interesting because, and I want to make sure I get all of this right. So she was introduced in 2001. And I guess there's like, and I'm trying to remember even what like the internet looked like in 2001, but somehow the, I guess the, the proper term is like a doll sculptor. So there's a doll sculptor who worked with the Magic Attic Club team and somehow word got out that he was working on a sculpture of an Asian doll. And people were really excited about it because then they heard that Magic Attic was debuting a new doll and her name would be Chloe. And they all thought that she was going to be Asian. And so then we would have Keisha, we would have an Asian doll. And even in 2001, people, I know it's a shock. We've always been pushing for diversity and inclusivity. So then Chloe was introduced and she was blonde hair, blue eyed. Sick. Yeah. So people weren't thrilled about that. Um, I thought that was sort of an interesting story. And then Rose was introduced, actually, Rose was introduced in 1997. So Rose actually came first. 
and she was of indigenous heritage. Her books are about, I believe the title or one of the ones I saw was Cheyenne Rose. So yeah, they, they did try. They dabbled in a little bit of diversity over time, but it definitely started as a very whitewashed cast and they didn't do enough, especially because word had gotten out that they were potentially going to be adding characters of different backgrounds and then did not. I wonder if they added the indigenous member after Josephina was premiered for um, American Girl Doll. I wonder if there's like a timeline there. That sounds about right because I think I think I had the the Josefina doll, and I probably was about eight when I got it. So it was definitely around the same time. One of them was inspired by the other. Because no one was that woke in the early 2000s. Should we start a whole podcast about the rivalry between American Girl and Magic Atta Club? Look, I know we'd have at least 20 listeners. Let us know. Are you interested in that? I think it would be fascinating. Mostly, I just want to talk more about the Magic Atta Club. Actually, I would love to have a podcast where we read all 34 of these titles because they're so short. And actually, as I was reading through the list, I was shocked by how many of them I read and how many of them like, when I saw the covers and I imagined like what the plots were based on the titles and the covers, I was like, Oh, I, I've always thought that like, I have this vague memory of this book as like a standalone book that like, I just don't remember the title of. No, they were all magic at a club books. Oh yeah. And they had so many of them. I actually, it's funny as I was reading this, I'm very close to my hometown in a town that had a really small children's bookshop growing up, which is where I used to buy these books from. And now I'm back here reading these books again. <laughs> it's too full circle. Yeah, that's that's really cool and full circle. I remember some of my favorites being um, Allison Saves the Wedding. I remember seeing that cover. That made me really happy. I also remember Heather at the Bar. I guess that was a ballet one. There was Allison on the Trail. They're all just doing different activities once they travel through the magic mirror. So yeah, there's a little more Magic Attic Club history for you from your uh, in-house magic attic club historian which is apparently a new hobby of mine who knew who knew I would be so interested in the history of this franchise but it's because people had a lot of questions and I do think like the dolls look so similar to the American Girl dolls and even the books like the trim size is very similar Mm -hmm. is the same I think they're roughly the same length listeners I'll be sure to link to the few American Girl episodes that we've done on the show just so if you want you can kind of compare but I get why there was some confusion and I had to sort it out myself. The inspiration is clear. Yeah, I'll just, just inspiration is a, is a good word. And then one last fun fact about the series, the sort of last gasp for this brand is that Marie Osmond's company bought the brand. Huh, and why didn't they do anything with it? I think they tried and it just didn't work. I think what happened was that the company that owned it first had been responsible for producing the Marie Osmond collection of porcelain dolls. And so then Maria Osmond and her husband bought it and things just sort of fizzled out from there. But I did think that was kind of interesting that she was involved. Love a, love a Marie Osmond moment. I had so many porcelain dolls as a kid. Yeah. So many porcelain dolls. I had almost every American Girl doll. I mean, I, I just love dolls. And that's why I, I do feel like it's a real shame that there wasn't like, I'm, I'm sad that the Magic Attic Club didn't stick around. You can't even get it on Amazon. No. It's not around at all. I had to buy it from a used bookshop online that felt kind of sketchy. Came really fast, felt really sketchy. Yeah, I agree. I'm sad too. And like, it is kind of this crazy, 
like history. Like it's, I was reading again, this very obscure website and from 1994 to 2004, they have this timeline laid out and every year something happened. So it's kind of tumultuous, but I'll be sure to link to that article, that timeline in the show notes for this episode, for those who want to check it out. But I'm sad that it just kind of went away. I figured that I just outgrew it and then I stopped hearing about it, but we all kind of forgot about it because it just disappeared. And I, I think it's sad too, because as I was digging back into the book and as I was researching all of this, I realized like, I think this was actually a pretty significant part of my childhood for a very short period of time. I think yes. I was pretty obsessed with it. And Me too. It's just gone. It's gone. It's totally gone. There's no relics for like, I don't even know if I want kids, but like our future children yeah. to have it, which is like not the case with so many other books from our childhood. Actually, and you might end up cutting this out, but I was trying to think when you emailed me my options of a book that I read as a kid. And I feel like if any's, anyone is going to know what it is, it's you. Okay, try me. Inside, the, it was about a girl who liked to cook and she would cook with her mom and she would cook with her friends. And in the books, there was recipe cards in them. <gasps> and one of the recipe cards I know for a fact was chicken piccata. So actually, please leave us in. If anybody knows what this book is, please reach out to me. Let me know because they were my absolute favorite. It was the first thing I ever cooked by myself because I used the recipe card and I made chicken piccata and I had to have been like nine or 10. Please let me know. SOS. Yeah, I'm going to leave it in. I, I'm drawing a blank. I do feel like I've like, could you tear them out? Was that the setup? Like, yeah. You could, yeah, I sort of vaguely remember what you're talking about. And I would love to know what that book is too. I remember my first cooking experience was with the American Girl cookbook. I know talking about American Girl at a club episode, like knowing that American Girl pushed Magic at a club out of business feels sort of sacrilegious, but but they're connected in a really strong way. It's okay. Like it's all part of the same conversation. I remember there was a recipe for spaghetti pie in it. And I think about that more than I would like to admit. Oh. It was delicious. It was like baked spaghetti in a pie dish. I'm sure I could just Google it and find it on like all recipes, but I only want to make the American Girl version. You should. I feel like that'd be a good Patreon episode. Oh, yeah. I'm, I have Patreon too. So I'm like always trying to come with that Patreon content. You should you should have a Patreon video of yourself making the spaghetti pie from American Girl doll. That sounds so fun. If anybody else had the American Girl cookbook, please let us know. Mackenzie and I are just crowdsourcing a lot of things right now because we want to be nostalgic about these sadly obscure sort of line extensions and books from our childhood that, yes, I, I held very close to my heart. So back to Secret of the Attic. We've talked about the girls. We've met the club, although they're not officially a club yet because they have yet to meet Mrs. Eleanor Goodwin, their new neighbor, who's moving into a house that has been sort of abandoned. Like nobody really knows what's been going on with it. And it turns out that she's moving back in because she was like traveling the world, being fabulous. And they decide to be neighborly. They help her with some stuff that she needs. Like she's struggling to take care of some stuff on her porch. So they go help. And as they're leaving, we're going to go back to the beginning where I talked about Heather finding the key. And there's a little key on the ground and they bring it back to her. Let's talk about Mrs. Eleanor Goodwin. What were your impressions of her? So she's definitely the kind of lady who now would have crystals, like moo-moos around the house for sure, like goes gray on purpose, like doesn't dye her hair, has traveled the world. One of the interesting places that she had visited was Afghanistan. They said there was like postcards of Afghanistan. And also it's no longer called this, Zaire, Z-A-I-R-E, which is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. Mm -hmm. So she's like 
a real wild card, this woman. She's definitely like someone's cool but crazy aunt. Like the aunt you think is crazy until you realize she's cool. Oh, yeah. I think that's that's a perfect way to describe her. Um, and the girls are like intrigued by her is the word that I would use. Like like I said, they are very eager to just like go hang out with her. Keisha is holding them back. Um, as an adult, I had mixed feelings because I was very drawn to her just thinking that she seemed really interesting. But at the same time, I was like, stranger danger. Let's make smart decisions. And so there's a little bit of like discussion with the parents, but then they decide to go back to Mrs. Eleanor Goodwin's house. And I had to pull out some of the things that she said to them because this is where like things get like a little mystical because they return the key to her. And she says, this key, you've no idea how important it is. And then she says, it's just that you all remind me so much of me when I was your age, curious and full of possibilities. I was thinking you might enjoy poking around my attic for a bit. We used to have the most wonderful adventures here, my friends and I. You're just the right girls to enjoy my attic. After all, you are the girls who found the key. I think you'll find it the kind of place you wish you could visit all your life. Even at my age, I still feel that way. If she was a man, mm-hmm. this would be so not problematic. Like, it would not be okay. But yeah. she's like a cool old lady. Yeah. It's weird. But, like, nothing says I'm going to murder you. Like, come to my attic. You look like the kind of little girls who would love my attic. Keisha had the common sense to be like, Maybe we shouldn't go. But obviously, if all your friends are going to go, you're going to go. Right. And now they're already in the house. And so her good sense is like, it's over. She's already in the house. And what's she going to do about it? She's going to go to the attic. What would you do? What else could you do? I would go to the attic. I would be the first one up the stairs. I know myself. I was never the one who said stranger danger. Uh, I was always the one who said stranger danger. So that's, we, as in our child, in our theoretical childhood friendship, I we would have balanced each other out because you would have been like, let's have adventures. And I would have been like, let's go home. <laughs> I love it. I was never like the trust. Yeah, I'm I'm the trespassing one. I was like about to defend myself being like, I wasn't that kind of person. But yeah, I was. Well, then you're not a Megan. You're you're right. You're not a, your instincts on that were correct. You're definitely not a Megan. But I but you appreciate Megan more now, which I am happy about. I think that I don't know. I'm wondering if like, I feel like some of this stuff would exist in a book written in 2020. And this is just something or 2021. Now, this is just something that I'm always wondering about. Like, I think There's an element of this that is, of course, like, I guess I feel like this is really common in like the 80s and 90s and the early aughts, like this idea of an adult who was sort of safe because maybe like your parents knew them. And in this case, like these girls do find out that their their mothers actually like grew up with Ms. Goodwin. So she's not a total stranger. But I do feel like there was this trope of like, there's this really interesting, fascinating adult who you don't know, but like it's still safe for you to be with them. And you're going to like make fast friends with them and they're going to introduce you to something brand new to you. And you're going to suddenly spend all this time alone in their home or like just alone with them in general. And it's going to be okay because they're going to like lead you to something magical. And I think that was like a really common thing for many years. And I hate to say that I don't know that it would be, I just, I I wonder if it's as much of a trope now or if there have to be other conditions around it sort of. Like it just seems like something that, would be a little bit more like dicey today just because as you said it's like this whole idea of like nothing sounds creepier to me as an adult in 2021 than a mostly like strange to me woman inviting me to hang out in her attic and I wonder how much that's reflected or how easy it is to like get away with that in kids books now see I'm gonna toss something a little different in there I don't think that this would have come out 10 years later because when we were kids or I, what, how old are you? I'm 30. 
Okay, I'm 27, but we were kids at the same time. Yeah. So when we were kids, strange like stranger danger and being kidnapped was like True. my number one fear because it was the Elizabeth Smart yeah. era. So I thought for sure I was going to get kidnapped. I remember when my friend's parents would drop me off at my house, I would run from their car to my door. Yeah. And I was always afraid that I was going to get taken out my window. And First of all, I don't think kids these days are nearly as afraid of getting kidnapped as we are. Yeah. But I don't think in 1995, this was as big of a concern as it was 10 years later. I think that this book would be different now. We're getting to the twist and the twist is really why I think it would be different. But I don't think that they would have three white girls now. I agree. I think that I think that there would be hopefully more characters because I think when you I think there should have been more to begin with. I think four actually seems like a small number. I think now there probably would have been like five or six to start with anyway. And then hopefully there would have been more diversity within that cast of characters. So I agree. I don't think you get away with that. I also agree that kidnapping was like the word that I always like thought in my brain when I thought of things to be afraid of when I was a kid. And I don't even want to go too far down this road, but I I think that like now there's the fear of trafficking. And I think that that Mm. could also be you know, interpreted in this book of like, oh, you can come into my attic. So I think that it's the language around it has shifted, but I wonder, I think it's intensified in some ways, like, because I, I don't know, I just think the conversation is so dialed up because of like the way that we communicate about things in 2021 that I, I think people are even more sensitive to it in some ways. You're so right. The first thing I thought about, about the attic was, oh, they'll be her prisoners. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. So I think generally speaking, it's just, it's interesting how these small details like, oh, this character's mom, you know, took piano lessons from this woman, like that makes it okay. So I, I think obviously like, and I hate to be that that girl that's like, oh, you can't get away with this anymore because these are magical books and we're about to get to that magical twist. But as always, like I'm, I'm sort of in the business of thinking about how this would look in 2021. And I think you would have to do a little bit more probably to like make this feel safe for like mass audiences but that's just me um let's talk about the magic because the magic is so fun so the girls go to the the attic and they see all of these outfits so fun so fun like what I wrote in my margin was this would have been catnip for me when I was a kid like I must have just loved this I pulled out a quote it says she was sure none of them had ever seen so many different kinds of clothes modern practical fashion side by side with storybook styles from ball gowns to bridal gowns camping duds to riding breeches there were outfits for any occasion a girl could imagine so much fun dress-ups were my absolute favorite thing as a kid number one favorite hobby was dressing up my mom would always um, find us like vintage dresses at different consignment shops to wear so I know that when I was a kid this was definitely the part that really really got to me and of course Allison didn't want to wear one of the dresses no, she did not. But she she rose above. She, she did. She did. She she overcame it. I'm giving her too much shit. She's 10. She's just not comfortable. She doesn't like to wear dresses. But she wears one. She wears one to go along. And they all put on these dresses. And sort of like the mechanism of all of this is that like you put on an outfit and then you stand in front of the mirror and then you're transported to a setting or situation in which like that outfit would be appropriate and to a different adventure. And so they put on these dresses and they're transported to the 1930s and they actually find themselves, although they don't realize it like at that moment in the very same house that they're in right now, just 60 or 70 years earlier and they're at a Christmas party and it's funny because we're just a couple of weeks past Christmas now as we're talking and I was like oh this is such like a cozy holiday book because they're having a Christmas party and um, I won't give away all the details but basically they use like these very conventional like Christmas traditions to cheer up Ellie who 
I'll let everybody guess who Ellie is in Ms. Eleanor Goodwin's house. Ellie, who comes in after a skating accident, and they use these like Christmas like themes and tropes to cheer her up after she's hurt. So I, it felt like very festive and like very timely for me to be reading it when I was now in January. And yeah, it was honestly like it's a very short book. So even this part of their adventure, which is kind of the climax of it is like maybe 10 pages if that but it was it was so fun. And then they go back and it's like, Oh, we were there. And now we're home. And almost the best part is coming home and realizing you just went on that crazy adventure. Right. And then realizing perm is Eleanor Goodwin that the real magic is in you. And that's a direct quote. I think that that should be a t shirt. Collab, do you want to do a collab? Collab. I have a merch designer. <laughs> we'll put our merch designers together and we're going to have a Magic Attic Club shirt. Speak, we talked about copyright already in this conversation. So we can just figure out if that copyright is available. I really like where we're going with this. Anyway, sorry, listeners, we're having business talk on the podcast. So yeah, they end up back home and they decide that they're going to become a club. Um, and sort of very significant part of this moment, or at least as I saw it, is that when they're coming up with the name for the club, Heather is the one who decides that Magic Attic Club is a good choice. And she was sort of the outsider at the beginning and we come full circle at the end because she's the one who comes up with like the best name for their new club. And everyone's down with it immediately. They love the idea. People were like, that's it. That's the name. No, this brainstorm can end. We're done. Everybody go home. Literally everybody go home. Everyone go home. Dinner's ready. Yeah. Mom needs you to come home right now because you're going to have some PB&J. I wanted to talk a little bit more about this revelation about Heather that we kind of have been teasing from the beginning of this conversation, which comes to light when they're in their time travel situation because the other girls think that they should sing a Christmas carol. Deck the halls. Deck the halls. And Heather reveals that she doesn't know the lyrics to Deck the Halls because it's not exactly a traditional Hanukkah song. And everybody's like, oh, Hanukkah? And she says, it never came up until now. It's not like it's a secret or anything. Sometimes it's hard, though, being different. And I've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast because it has come up in other books with Jewish characters. My mom is Jewish and my dad is Christian. So growing up, like I was very into this idea of like having these two different identities in a way that does not affect me now. But I think like when you're a kid and you go to like, especially in the 90s, like going to a suburban elementary school, it was like everybody was making Christmas presents for their parents. And I, even though my mom is like not especially observant of Judaism, like I felt like it was really important for me to to show that I needed to make a Hanukkah oriented gift. I love that. That's the opposite of my husband. He was like, I'll, he's Jewish. He's like, okay. oh, don't tell anyone I'm Jewish. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I don't know why. I think there is a thing of like, I sort of liked that it was a different thing about me. Like, I was like, oh, like I need to, this is, this is important to me. And it, like, we didn't go to temple, like, I wasn't bat mitzvahed, but I think at the time it felt really important. And so I always appreciated Jewish characters in books because they were ultra rare, especially when we were growing up. Although I do think that in some ways, like this felt like more othering somehow. It was weird. It was was weird. It was a twist. It was like, she's Jewish. (laughs) Like that was the twist. That's a weird twist. I have it underlined and like with notes on it. I'm like, it was such a bizarre such a bizarre thing that the whole because it was set up from the very beginning she's like I don't have any ornaments and then keep going I don't have any ornaments and like I don't I don't really understand why that twist was necessary well in some ways it felt to me like it was more more of a twist or presented as more of a twist than the fact that they time traveled through a mirror in and out. Way more. 
Way more. This was the plot twist. The book was about Heather revealing her Judaism. And I think that it's really wonderful to have a book that like highlights a character's Judaism or anything else that maybe like is not what many kids are like used to reading about. Like it's great that this book gave kids an opportunity to learn a little bit about what it means to be Jewish. But I guess I sort of felt like it was weighted in such a way that it felt like there was so much attention put on sort of like the shock and the otherness of her being Jewish and like not that much weight placed on like what that means. Like it felt like it was handled in this very nineties way of like, Oh, it's Christmas time. I'm Jewish. I have a menorah. And then Keisha is like, yes. And I celebrate Kwanzaa. Oh my God. That was the most 90 shit ever. I actually did a lot of research. First of all, I do want to say the author is Jewish. Oh, okay. That's very good. I looked that up because I was so appalled. <laughs> that I was like, Oh my gosh, she is Jewish. Her most recent children's book came out in 2012. I don't know the name of it, but it was, it's about a Jewish character. So that is part of her identity. So I feel like it makes it a little bit less yucky. Mm-hmm. But Keisha then announcing like, oh, I celebrate Kwanzaa. Just totally was such a throwback to like the 90s where it was made to seem like Kwanzaa was super mainstream. And I actually did my research on this. So I was a little nervous about like talking about Keisha's Kwanzaa celebration because I was like, is this a weird thing to talk about? But Apparently, only 1% to 2% of African Americans celebrate Kwanzaa. And a lot of them that do also celebrate Christmas. Right. So it's really like not a Christmas alternative, just kind of a Christmas edition. Yeah. And it, I don't know. I just like Kwanzaa is such a, like, such a relic of the 90s. Well, it feels, and I think it's a relic of the way that kids especially used to be conditioned and taught about how to talk about and deal with race and how to like be respectful of race. Like I feel like I, again, growing up in the nineties in this like largely white suburban elementary school, it was like, I feel as though the idea was, Oh, if we teach these white kids about Kwanzaa and we teach them that black people celebrate Kwanzaa, then that's tolerance. And that's being not racist when in fact, it's sort of like a very uneducated way to talk to kids about the holiday season because as you said like numbers don't prove it out that that's like true like that's (laughs) just not true and so it it feels like almost this thing that in the 90s people were like this is a way that we can show that we're racially and culturally aware by talking about Kwanzaa when in fact like they really should have been spending their time doing a lot of other work and a lot of other things so yeah I just felt like the way that like holidays were presented in this book it just like took me back to being in like fourth grade at our annual like holiday sing at my elementary school when it would be like 15 Christmas songs and then you would sing dreidel and then they had found some like Kwanzaa song and it was like great we've checked all three and now everybody's represented and I think the conversation thankfully has like that's not how we approach the holiday season and I do think obviously there's always room to be more inclusive and I'm not shitting on that of course I think it's always important to have conversations about every celebration and I think the more we can understand about the way that as many people as possible observe different traditions that's really important but I just think that the way that this book sort of was like all of these holidays happen at the same time and therefore we need to talk about them at once I don't know it just was weird Let's bring our menorah to the Christmas party. Like, first of all, how do we know that like Christmas and Hanukkah lined up this year? We don't. Right. They often don't. And I like, again, now as an adult, 
I have a lot of friends who are Jewish. Like, of course, in my family, I have people that celebrate both because my mom and my dad are different religions, but I do have friends that only celebrate Hanukkah. And I don't think they would have been offended by a book. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I don't think that this representation of a young girl celebrating Hanukkah, like, is really accurate to their experience, to the extent that they would be like, oh, like, I feel seen by this book. Yeah, not at all. They wouldn't have spent so much time dwelling over the fact right. that they don't have ornaments. They're like, because I mean, most people, I only know this from experience, but my husband's Jewish. So we celebrate Hanukkah here. And obviously his family celebrates Hanukkah. And everyone's, I have lots, I mean, I lived in New York. We have lots of Jewish friends. Right. Everyone's just kind of like Hanukkah. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's not like Christmas where it's like, all-consuming. Yeah, exactly. So I, I guess sort of to to capture my feelings about Heather generally, I love that a character like Heather exists to make kids feel seen, especially in the 90s when, like I said, I feel like there really was a lack of Jewish characters in a lot of the mainstream books that I was reading. And so it always was exciting to me to see a character like Heather. On the other side, I think the fact that her Judaism was this like bombshell news that clearly made her feel sort of out of place to begin with. And then I just don't think that the proper weight was given to like what it meant and what was really exciting about her traditions. Like it just felt somehow off. Um, so I think that there's, I love that the effort was made, but as an adult reading it, I'm like, it just felt like a weird, it was weird that it was a twist, like you said. Exactly. It was the whole part of the book. And I mean, maybe I'm fixating because I just yesterday read Roxane Gay's review of Jodi Picoult's Small Great Things. I know it's really random, but it was the same kind of thing. Like in that book, the twist is like super weird, just like this. Yeah. I mean, someone's identity like should not be a twist. A twist. Yeah. I think that's how I, I would sum it up. But other than that, on the whole, Mackenzie, do you feel that your rereading experience of The Secret of the Attic held up to your memories of this book and of this series when you were a kid or has it let you down? Oh, I think it held up. I really do. I think that I had more fun analyzing the book with you than I did actually reading it. But I mean, this is a time for nostalgia, right? We're not making a whole lot of new memories. We're just kind of reflecting on our pasts. I've I've really been like deep diving into things that I have loved in the past. And so I feel like reviewing this book at this time, living where I am just felt right. And I really enjoyed it. And also um, all the girls have fire outfits. I would wear every single outfit on the cover of this book. Yeah. Listeners, um, I'll be sure that you all have uh, plenty of opportunities to see what this cover looks like on SSR social media, but they're pretty great. I really like Keisha's outfit the best, I think. I actually like Megan's outfit the best. So wow, we're growing. We're growing. I love love that journey for you. Other than The Secret of the Attic, what have you been reading lately and loving that you would like to share with our listeners? Ooh, okay. What did I just finish? I just finished. I'm currently reading two really weird books for my podcast friends to lovers. I'm currently reading 50 shades of gray for the first time. And I don't want to talk about that. Okay. I just finished. <laughs> I just finished, um, quit like a woman by Holly Whitaker. Oh, have it. You heard it? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Amazing. 12 out of 10. So Chrissy Teigen recommended it. Cause she said that it helped her get sober. I'm not sober. I'm borderline sober curious, but it's basically an analysis of Sobriety culture, the alcohol industry, AA, it is phenomenal. I would recommend it to anyone, whether they have any interest in sobriety or 
They want to drink like a fish their whole lives. No judgment either way. It's just really, really fascinating. It was a five-star book for me. I absolutely loved that. And before that, I finished um, Queen Move by Kennedy Ryan, which is a really hot childhood friends to lovers romance that I loved. What about you? Oh, I feel like I've been reading. I was reading. I was definitely on like a holiday reading kick for a minute there, like reading a lot of cheesy holiday romances. Um, Yeah, it just made me feel good. Right now I'm reading Anna Kay and really enjoying that. Oh, I loved it. I actually interviewed um, Jenny Lee last year and she was a total blow. Yeah, she's great. She was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and she was so fun. Yeah, I love that we have that crossover. And of course, because I'm always reading new things, I feel like I've already forgotten everything that I just read. But I've I've really just been trying to like do as little screen time as possible. And especially like everything's just so overwhelming right now. So I'm just trying to read a lot. But currently I'm reading Anna Kay. And then next up I have um, the new Sophie Kinsella book love your life I love Sophie Kinsella nothing makes you feel better than her I also no. just finished uh, the boys club by Erica Katz that was really good oh I'll have to add that to my list too yeah Sophie Kinsella I feel like a lot of her recent books have been hit or miss for me like I haven't oh yeah what was the one with Fixie oh yeah I owe you one. Oh my gosh I I DNF'd that I felt bad but like you can't name the girl Fixie and say that she always fixes things I was like I'm out I can't yeah I didn't love it but I still always read all of her books just because I have such fond memories of reading Shopaholic for the first time and this one is about like a writer's retreat and I just I was really excited so I picked that up that'll be next after Anna Kay but speaking of all these books we're reading why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit more about the awesome things that you do over at the Bad Bitch Book Club Sure. So we are an actual book club. We just have a lot of members. So Babbage Book Club started off as just a book club for my friends um, and blog followers. I've had a fashion blog for 10 years for a really, really long time. And people just kept inviting their friends, kept inviting their friends. Uh, And now we have over 5,000 members, like official members of the book club. And we meet several times a month through various reading groups to discuss books. We have an official book of the month that people vote on. And then we have I think it's five seasonal reading groups right now that read one to two books per month and meet. Typically, our meetings have anywhere from 30 to 200 people at them. We go into breakout rooms. We often have the authors come to visit. Honestly, it's just a lot of fun and it has helped people build a community in this time. I feel like so much less useless like during like it's it's a hard time right now you want to be as helpful as you can and I feel like I am helping people find a community so that's awesome uh and we have my podcast this will kill me if I don't say this we also have a podcast it's called friends to lovers named after the popular romance trope and we talk about romance novels is a little bit different than this book podcast we don't talk about one book at a time we instead like have a general theme and we read talk about books and recommend books within that theme. So sometimes that theme is at the end of the year, it was books under 200 pages that you can finish your reading goals with. Other times we do episodes like what are your favorite enemies to lovers books? We did a Taylor Jenkins read ranking episode. So it's a lot of fun. You'll have to listen. And my co-host is Lily Herman. She read 300 books last year. Oh my gosh. I thought I did well with like, I think I was at 97. 300 is amazing. I know, but like imagine having a co-host of a podcast that's read that read 300 books. I read I read 120. I thought that was fucking amazing. And she read 300. I'm like, I can't keep up with I can't keep up. How are we going to do this podcast? No, we can't compete with that. Well, Lily, you're amazing. Yeah, so that's that's what I do. That's like it's kind of a lot, but it's a lot of fun. And anyone can join Babbage Book Club. It's free to join, but our all access membership is $12 a month. Well, listeners, I will include links to 
all things Bad Bitch Book Club in the show notes for this episode. And I'll be sure to link uh, over on social media as well. In addition to all that in the show notes, you'll find links to The Secret of the Attic as well as Mackenzie's book recommendations. Mackenzie, it's been so much fun having you on the podcast. I feel like we could talk about books for approximately 18 hours and still have things to say. Thanks so much for your time. SSR is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the SSR Podcast. Check out our website at www.ssrpodcast.com for show notes and other information. And be sure to connect with us on social media for updates on upcoming episodes, behind-the-scenes inside scoop, and some good old-fashioned book talk. Find us at SSR Pod on Instagram and Twitter and search SSR Podcast on Facebook to join the group. To reach out directly, you can send me an email at hellossrpod at gmail.com. If you're loving the show, it would mean so much if you could subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share your thoughts with a comment. And don't forget to tell your friends, too. In the meantime, happy reading. I'll see you next time on the SSR Podcast. <laughs>